Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, we started with bridges. We started with getting ahead. And uh, initially, our organization was uh, uh, using getting ahead as the uh, educational tour tool, and then using uh, the program called Circles, which I'm sure some of you are familiar with, as the next step as a way to do that wraparound programming. Uh, what we discovered as an organization within the last three and a half years is uh, Circles was not necessarily a good match for getting ahead in our particular organization in our community, because of course, as we know, it varies depending on the number of people you have in your community, the dynamic and it really is um, everything affects it. The school system that's in place, the uh, transportation that's available, uh, all of those things, just the dynamics of the community as a whole. And what we were finding is people really wanted to learn more um, in-depth things uh, and not just necessarily have somebody to meet with and have somebody working um, and sitting with them and talking with them and feeding them ideas, but also we felt it was really important to start engaging people and giving them more experiences uh, that they would need in order to develop the, really, the resources uh, that we talk about in Getting Ahead and really develop that to the next step. Uh, some people have asked me how to describe what we're doing uh, from getting ahead into staying ahead. And I like to think of it uh, in terms of a college course. Uh, you take a 101 class as a freshman because they tell you, you know, hey, it would be good for you. Let's get you, you know, kind of get your feet wet and see what might, what really might spark your interest. Well, once that interest is sparked and once you figure out what you need to know, then moving into staying ahead is sort of like that 300 level class where you get to learn more specifics. You get to really start building your own path and having somebody like a mentor, like a guide, uh, that person in college who was that professor that you looked up to and they started helping to really solidify to you uh, with you what your goals were going to be for your future. So that's kind of one way to describe it. Uh, it has been a journey for us. Um, we uh, have tried many different things, and I think that's one of the benefits of being a smaller organization. We are not part of a national, um, but we are the only Partners in Hope, for example, although there's many other organizations that do things that are similar to us. Uh, we just, we as have been able, uh, we've had the luxury of experimenting with it in a lot of different ways. And I think that has resulted in some really good things. So um, I am going to um, go down, uh, if you want to, uh, our agency structure. If you look at relief, education, and development, we think of that as a path of hope. So you start with a very large pool of people who are in need of relief services. Anything that is crisis-based, I need it now. Uh, I'm starting a new job. I need a pair of work boots. I uh, have a new job and I can't get there because I don't have any gas. Or I can't pay my water bill um, because I had to buy food because my child support did. Whatever the case may be, something that causes you to not be able to get to the next step before you get those basic needs met. Uh, the next step then is education. And that's where the pool um, narrows down a little bit. We get people involved in the classes. We have getting ahead, the traditional. We have getting ahead workplace stability. And then we also have faith and finance. Along with that, we use the Bridges Out of Poverty material as well as uh, the PIH Poverty Simulation, which is based on the model from Missouri CAPS uh, for the poverty simulations. We use those for the community. So there's a lot of different um, aspects to it, but we have really come to understand that you can't just give clients information. You can't just give the families you're serving the information. The community also has to be built up as part of that. You have to have people who really understand the dynamics of poverty uh, in order to make uh, support systems available that are going to help the families who want to get to the next step be successful. Uh, and then finally, development. Development is the people who are, we are walking alongside, we are seeing the uh, process that they're going through. We're seeing the highs and lows of getting from living, and Sonia is going to give some great examples in a little bit of that initial point when they're living in subsidized housing and they don't know how to drive and they uh, don't have adequate child care and they don't know how to get through the legal system uh, to the point where they're now putting a down payment on a house. And that's pretty intensive and uh, it is very overwhelming, um, not only for the agency, 
but also for obviously the families we're working with. Uh, but it has been a challenge and, and we've gone through the challenge of when you're talking about funding sources, trying to explain to people uh, who are giving you money to support your organization, the value of, yeah, it's going to cost, yeah, we're not just paying their water bill, that you're making a donation to help, you know, keep somebody's electric bill or water bill paid for $100. Now we want you to invest a couple thousand dollars worth of time and energy into people helping them get to that next step. So that's that becomes the challenge in and of itself is really using the bridges material to help the community understand so they're willing to financially support making an investment in these families. So uh, really quick, and I won't stand this long, relief services, we have uh, caregivers, which is senior transportation. We have car, which is Christian auto repair. That helps keep uh, the $2,000 car on the road, basically. It's people who might not uh, have the money to pay for a new battery, but heck, if that battery fails, they're not going to make it to work. And then, of course, we know that's the cliff effect, right? It sends everything over the edge. Uh, we have Christmas program. Our Christmas program is reciprocity-based. People volunteer. They make a small donation in order to shop at the store. Uh, we really see a lot of um, families benefit from being able to choose on their own, knowing that they're making a difference by volunteering, giving back to the community while still receiving some support. Uh, it's a very hands up, not handout approach. Um, and then of course, crisis intervention and support. Uh, within our own organization, we give, uh, we help about 800, I believe last year it was 841 non-duplicated families uh, with one service or another. And when we say non-duplicated, it could be one somebody they're counted once because they came in to get assistance with personal needs items, or they are counted once because they came through the Christmas shop. And then you uh, have the clients that Sonia spends a lot of time with the families who it's once a week, and they are only counted once in that 840. So units of service and actual number of clients are entirely different. Um, and it's very important to document that that information, um, especially to get a good idea of the actual, if you're a director, the cost of doing business. Uh, real quick, uh, education. Again, I talked about this already. We talked about the getting ahead. Um, and I have in here 10-week class. We know it's changed to 15 and um, people have, there's a little variation that there. But um, Jobs for Life, job training. Uh, we don't do the Jobs for Life program in a traditional way. Um, as part of getting ahead in workplace stability, Sonia works with some of the tools from the Jobs for Life program to really get people um, employment. We have faith and finance. We do poverty simulations. Again, the bridges out of poverty that I know uh, most of you are familiar with. Um, and finally, um, staying ahead. And that is where Sonia is going to take over and start talking. Uh, Staying ahead, uh, the, the basic overview is what's on your screen. Continuing to enrich partner families. And a partner family is, to us, is anybody we have a, a deeper relationship with. They're not just coming in once to get some help with the utility bill. They, we kind of start to recognize them. They've taken a class. They maybe called for some extra help or support. They have done a little extra volunteering at the Christmas shop. And all of a sudden, we know that there's that spark there, that they're they're seeking more for their family. So we call them our partner families, whether they're in education program or development. But so continuing to enrich partner families with relevant and meaningful programming that can assist them in modeling good traits to propel and motivate them to accomplish their goals of building resources to gain stability. That's a really long sentence. However, it really is just that deeper exploration finding out what are the things that are most relevant to people and helping them explore that, whether it means teaching somebody how to cook, doing couponing, helping them to learn how to drive, or attending a performance uh, at a, a big um, a big cultural event, maybe that had never even been thought of as an idea that they could offer to their family because they didn't see it as part of their world. So um, I'm going to let Sonia go from here. And I'm going to scoot out of the picture. But if you have questions, we will answer them as they go along. And uh, this is this has been a 
growing process for our organization. It's very exciting because uh, we've seen it work and you're going to hear some of those examples now. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So getting ahead, we know our, our education core is getting ahead, whether it's getting ahead in the workplace or getting ahead in a just getting by world. That is our core education piece. So um, after what, what we noticed is as people got through getting ahead, got to develop their language, got their aha moments, um, people were on fire to create change for themselves. What we were seeing was the community wasn't necessarily ready to greet everyone with change or their neighborhoods, more importantly. So we developed a community that just enhances our getting ahead uh, model that we have. Um, I like to do a plug for Bridges of uh, Bridges to Sustainable Communities because after reading this book, it helped me um, not only develop more language to how to create a sustainable community, but how to create or cultivate a sustainable community for our getting ahead grads. So what we did was we looked at getting ahead, what we learned, the language based on the resources, and we said, all right, um, yearly we meet together and we say, what do you need in regards to these resources? Meaning, what do you need to learn more? What do you lack? What do you feel doesn't apply to you? Again, we want to break down isolation. So we find experts in the areas. We bring them into um, to our environment and we have further co-investigations very similar to the getting ahead process. Um, something that really stuck with me um, all through the getting ahead and the bridges journey is that we need to be relevant. Um, we need to be realistic and we need to repeat it so we can take on new behaviors as our own. So that's essentially what we're doing in our staying ahead process. Um, again, or we have things, everything is meant to develop. Um, when we look at finances, we're talking about how do we develop not only a sense of financial literacy, but how do we develop um, the perception, one, that there are difference between needs and wants. And if we sacrifice today, which is our daily survival for tomorrow, we're helping build that futuristic view. So we've added things based off of our getting ahead graduates input, um, such as family IDAs, one-on-one -on -one budgeting. Sometimes there's family budgeting. And then we do a workshop series. For an example, um, we do our staying ahead environment is a inner economic environment. We are housed in the basement of a church, but we promote to our greater community. I'll give you an example. In regards to our physical resource, we were doing uh, yoga classes and we had an inner economic class, meaning there are people from all backgrounds there. And the person that was the best at the yoga was a boy from poverty who um, he got bullied a lot for his size, but he took he took to yoga like, you know, it, it was just his favorite thing. And I turned to the mayor of our town's wife and we were on chair struggling, trying to do like a bridge versions because we have back issues. And she looked at me and said, I guess, although I'm financially stable, I do have poverty in my life. And I think, again, that only reinforces our, at Bridges, our term to our definition of poverty is to the extent which one goes without a resource. So, again, it's an inner economic. And they also then start to create social capital. They start to uh, break isolation by having this inner economic uh, way to repeat the getting ahead practices. Um, we also do the individual family coaching as well. Um, the coaching is dependent upon the goals that they have going on. I may meet with someone weekly if there's a short-term goal that they're struggling with, or my, I may meet with them quarterly if we're working on a long-term goal. Um, goals can be anything from um, build or digging through the iceberg of an emotional situation and actually being able to talk about the root causes and me helping develop a bridge with a caseworker or counselor that they've been working with for years to kind of be, you know, to tell their truth. 
Um, it's been very effective. It's been very impactive. One thing that I do want to note is that uh, we do what we're good at, meaning we're not counselors. Uh, we're not social workers per se. So we do connect them with the experts of that area. Again, as much as we want to acknowledge that people are the experts of their lives, there are other experts in other area that can help move people to that next level. Um, successes, I want to talk about that again. Um, you know, it's really hard to quantify quality of life and someone's perception of someone succeeding or meeting goals, but there are goals as small as working on concrete um, things such as gas vouchers and emotional supports to graduate college to someone actually having an aha moment that they have had a past abuse and it's connected to their hygiene issues and their mental health issues. The whole point, again, is to be relevant to our clients, um, be realistic is in regards to what our staff and our agency can do for our clients, and then to just keep repeating the behavior. So not only um, do we break isolation, but then our community grows, and then actually the things that they're learning are sticking and become long-term lifestyles. Um, here's again on the financial budgeting. Um, again, one-on-one, -on -one, weekly by weekly. We really want to be relevant to that client's needs, so we try to be as flexible as and as open as possible. Um, here's a sam sample calendar. This is from last year. Actually, what you can see is it's broken down into months. It's also tied to a resource. And then you'll see what um, entity we brought in or how we addressed um, further education to develop. I can give you an example this year. We were really excited to be the 2017 um, Community Health Assessment Steering Team, the whole getting ahead group for our county. It was huge. Um, coming back from that and talking to the leaders that actually facilitated that process, they were so thrown back by the honesty, the um, appropriate language, the ability to see what was in their control personally versus what was a systemic issue versus what was a political issue. They were very thrown back and impressed, and that's only solidified the door opening to where um, people in getting ahead are actually having a voice and making an impact within our community on a pretty big scale. So again, reinforcing what you learn in getting ahead, the four areas of research, um, not only helps emotionally, but then builds their language as well, and now is, is building social capital and networking for our group. So super proud of, of them for that. Um, staying ahead at recruitment, again, uh, we our core education classes are getting ahead, whether it's workplace stability or or in the, I'm sorry, or in just a getting by world. We also have faith in finances. Um, again, uh, Jessica mentioned relief. If I was to use our Bridges education, it's the concrete stuff that's going on. A lot of times people come in for a concrete issue. I have a disconnect. It's today. But um, our downstairs volunteers are phenomenal about building relationships, even when people come in in a crisis. And they'll address the today's crisis, but then our hopes are to develop a relationship to get them into an education class and to development. So when they come back again, maybe the conversation changes and now they're, um, they're learning how to use power-based resources. Uh, our relief uh, our program actually started as a needs base 25 years ago, and what they saw from a needs base, it bred generations of entitlement. So it's kind of our mission now that we've taken on Bridges as our foundation to change um, some of our needs base or provide that power-based services for our getting ahead or our partner families. Um, I mentioned we had a, a young woman who is from poverty generationally, and she was working on getting her dental hygienist degree. She graduated last week, but uh, through this time, she's, you know, she's making a minimum wage. She's doing her internship, and in order for her to actually get to her final goal, you know, we needed to do one-on-one -on -one budgeting, which warrants I could give her gas cards. I could uh, help with the pantry downstairs so she could reallocate money to bills and things like that. And um, we're very proud to say that she's a graduate as of last week. Um, we've also worked long-term with people 
And they're actually, you know, they decided that, hey, unearned income is unearned income and I can make a difference. I could take what I've treated as a needs-based resource and make it a power base by saving it for three years and now putting $6,000 plus down payments on being homeowners in their future. So really the goal is to break that perception of, you know, having a needs-based lifestyle but using a need space in time that you need it, but creating power base. So then your future is uh, you're more empowered to, to have control of that and be a part of the solution of your future. So our current staffing, um, I'm the education and development coordinator. We have a financial uh, coach who also plays a mentor role as well. We have two paid child care providers. We have numerous volunteers that come from churches, local foundations, or private donors that handle um, anything from our meals to being speakers or facilitators. Um, again, everybody comes with gifts and talents. And if you want to share your gifts and talents, we are more than happy to oblige you with that. And then also our staff provides any additional support that's needed. Um, just to give you a quick little kind of demographic of what's going on now currently we have 22 uh, individuals and families that are in that are currently active partner families which means they're coming every Tuesday night to our staying ahead um, there's 11 children right now and we have 32 active ad hoc partner families which means I'm not so much in need of handhelding long-term development, but when things go awry or they need to maybe debrief or talk about an action before they make a choice, that they are more than welcome to come in and all the services are open to them as well. So that's kind of to get, you know, I'm trying to look to see if there's any questions going on. Thank mm -hmm. you for the compliments. <laughs> I, I really appreciate it. I and get kind of emotional them. about yes. that. Um, again, you know, the point was getting ahead is phenomenal. It works. We know it works. But what is the next step? With all of us, no matter where we are in our lives, there's always a next step, whether it's professional um, development or even leadership development. And so now we're, we're just trying to take all best practices and bring them together so that we can have that on um, last week for example this month is mental the ability higher learning and to have different type of experiences so we uh took 20 family members and their children's to circus 1903 again i don't know what it was like to be a 1903 but we had a ball and now we have a different uh respect of what that means we talked about the hidden rules of it's the Schuster Center. It's a nicer center. The hidden rules. Everyone was dressed appropriately. Um, we met for dinner. Again, everything is kind of grassroots. We clean up together. We eat together. We honor the people that bring us our meals by listening to their stories. Because, again, everyone has a story. And to hear from someone like the director of a United Way, his first job was digging ditches really can make you feel good about going to Wendy's or McDonald's or maybe a entry factory job. So again, it's about instilling that maybe we're sacrificing today for a better tomorrow. And that's what staying ahead essentially is about. And Jess, you're free if you want to jump in. So here, you know, again, some successes, reaching their goals. We have people that are obtaining employment, not only obtaining it, but they're keeping it and they're being promoted. That is huge. We've had uh, several people, um, when they came to us, they decided that, um, well, they felt hopeless prior, but then they felt like they wanted to try higher education. Um, I have some partner families that I'm proud to say make more than me and have living wages that are making decisions now about what insurance plan do they want their family to have and how to pay back student loans because they want, you know, again, to be productive and do the right things in life um, is phenomenal. But again, I want to stress that those goals are obviously blatant um, good things. But the family that I mentioned that, you know, discovered that they had a, a voice and that a tragedy that happened to them was affecting their personal hygiene, which in hence was infecting their employment, is just as much a, a wonderful goal to celebrate as someone putting six grand down on a house. So again, you know, there is no such thing as a small goal or a small win in staying ahead. We celebrate all of them 
They've done phenomenal things. Uh, we've taught people how to drive cars, literally gone out like I would with my children, got the cones and drove for hours and then in turn took them and helped them get their licenses. Um, when we talk about relationships being, you know, one of the make or breaks in a lot of situations, we've navigated divorces. We've actually went together and learned the language and went to the law library and um, been successful at getting divorces without, you know, um, paying thousands of dollars. But again, using their own uh, gifts and talents and their own financial stream that they have to go from a needs-based to a power-based life. Uh, we have several, several people off government assistance completely, um, stronger relationship with agencies. Um, I've been at agencies and saw partner families or former getting ahead people defending the other side of the desk and just saying, hey, you don't understand. It's not about you and her, but it's actually a system bigger. And it's phenomenal. Again, they've developed the language to articulate what they're going through. And again, I think that is just the best to me. So um, also sharing their stories and being advocates for our agency. Um, they want to talk to donors. They want to be more verbal about what their experiences that, that, that they've been through and that why we're worthy of being funded and what makes us different. Um, increased in board involvement. We actually, every year we have a partner family or getting ahead graduate that sits on our board that is there to express and to advocate for the rest of us. I kind of joke with uh, whoever that is that, you know, you're here to advocate for them. Um, you're here to advocate for me. And if I'm not doing what you feel I need to do, some you're here to let them know that. So, you know, that's productive as well. Uh, I'm going to add something really quick here uh, because I think that just having something like the ability to sit on a board has really opened up doors for several of our partner families who um, have gone through the process. They've been with us for a couple of years, but I have uh, one volunteer who was uh, a partner family. She ended up sitting on the board as the partner family representative, and now she is one of the main committee members of our events and fundraising committee. And she continues to come. She continues to participate. She's really gotten to know and establish good friendships with some people on our board and fellow volunteers. And she had never had that opportunity before. And not only did she make that initial difference by representing partner families, but now she's representing what she wants to see in the community and what she really believes is good for the organization. And she's going to be able to put that on her resume. She takes that with her. She is a proud member of the organization. And that's what we want because we, we get that. Uh, it's just so much more fulfilling uh, to have a well-rounded view. Um, and to see people continue to do it long after their term is up, they're still being a part of it. So I just wanted to add that piece yes, of it. Yes, definitely. Um, again, this is a community that um, staying ahead in Troy, but, you know, we hope that they're staying ahead everywhere. The point is, if you need to create an environment that, that again, helps getting ahead people continue their development, you want to call it staying ahead. I mean, that only just makes me smile bigger because the point is it's it's to help our getting ahead graduates get to that next level and continue to develop so they can be you know the community members that turn around and advocate for the other people in their neighborhood um again you know i like to use the terms poverty sometimes can be crabs in a bucket but these crabs are flipping the bucket over and it's amazing you know um again it, they have a voice now, and so we love that. So with any connotation of staying ahead, for example, I mentioned the physical thing that we um, were doing. We all did it, but we noticed that Nate, his name is Nate. Little Nate was so good at it, and he had such self-esteem from being the one that could actually do the yoga positions that we uh, worked a partnership with that uh, downtown organization who does yoga all the time. Little Nate always walked past there. He just didn't know that it applied to him, that it was relevant for him. So Nate now goes on Saturdays to a kid's class, a yoga class downtown. 
that's not only development for Nate and for our community, that's development for Troy, that's development for that yoga organization. It shows the interconnectedness. So um, again, you know, our thing is we will break isolation, we will provide an avenue of exposure, but our end result is to get people to want to be at, at these different organizations, agencies on their own and start advocating for others to do the same way. We just want to blow isolation out of the water, so to speak. So now we're going to talk about staying had struggles, staff and volunteer turnover. Again, you know, I think that is a struggle for any nonprofit and is a probably struggle for anybody that deals with volunteers. On the consistency, uh, Jessica mentioned that we were prior part of a circles group. And I think the turnover, it's really hard when you're recruiting for that one-on-one -on -one mentor for each of your getting ahead graduates. So what we discovered is as people work hard, and especially in an intereconomic um, setting, people like the mayor's wife notice, wow, that kid is really, really doing it. I'm really proud of that. People want to fund what works, what they see, and what they get an emotional tie to. So watching people work really hard, they have uh, cultivated their own mentors, truthfully. So, and sometimes we have ad hoc allies. For an example, if we were to navigate a divorce that had more litigation, property, things like that, then we would go and look for naturally a lawyer or a law firm that would navigate for that, which we do, you know, have connections with our rotary, our board, all of our staff sit on other boards as well. So we can continue to cultivate and produce, uh, produce more resources for our, our partner families. Um, again, the initial buy-in after getting ahead, you know, it, there's some weeks in there and what does this mean, staying ahead? And so um, a lot of times during graduation, we give them the option, we give them there's three little kind of cards that they can hold up and it says, I've graduated and I got enough and I think I can do it on my own. And there's a card that says, I'm ready to be a partner family, which means I, as an organization, we will not walk next to you, not in front of you, not behind you, but whatever you put in, we will match that effort with all the resources that we can. And then there is one that says, I'm kind of not sure I'm on the fence, so I need a little bit time to think about it. And those are the people that I'll give maybe a week or two and I'll follow up with them. What's cool about getting ahead is, um, again, as we recruit and do more classes, Sometimes we have more classes than we can fit in a staying head environment. So what we do, um, we've developed a system to where every three months, each person that's part or that's taken getting ahead and graduated will get a registration form of the next three months of classes interconnected with the resource. So if I know as a coach that you're low on financial, but you're not coming to any of the financial trainings, that's another conversation to have. You might not be wanting to work on your financial. So um, we were trying to work around that initial buy-in. Um, again, time is important. If we acknowledge that there's daily crisis and instability that still occurs, we don't want to bog them down to years of consecutive timed classes, but you take what's relevant for your journey. So I think that's really helped in regards to capacity versus capability as well. You know, you find the experts that are in the community that they may feel, again, that, you know, that doesn't apply to them. And you first invite them into the community. You do it in a co-investigative lens. And then you think of ways that you can get uh, your partner families out of the, the, the smaller staying ahead community and into the greater community to excel in those areas. Um, funding is always a challenge, you know. Um, we have a lovely bunch of churches that do it, but they've been doing it since 2007. So we got to get creative on how we are asking for funding for mills. Um, I just did a email blast out and I asked for, you know, the ongoing donation of a meal, but then I did some highlights. Do you realize because you fed our partner families that you took that crisis of food out of the way and someone graduated this year? someone their kids back, someone that had been in prison for two years, worked really hard and now is employed by that prison as a spokesperson because she did getting ahead, which is amazing. So, you know, offering more of a story 
to why a meal and why do you keep asking me for years for a meal? You have to be more creative. And also statistics. You know, again, um, data is a tricky thing. And how do you measure cost quality of life? You know, your perception might be that person's just not good enough. But how do we get away from perception and get down to quantifiable data? And uh, we're not the best at it. We're getting better. Mm -hmm. We're discovering ways to do that. Um, we're actually in a pilot right now for workforce development. And uh, we're working on that uh, with our partners, Marion Matters. God bless you, Marion Matters, for being who you are. Um, Ohio, we're blessed to be in Ohio as well. We have a, a national committee that's also working on data as well. They had a conference call yesterday. And so, um, you know, we're, we're kind of blessed in Ohio to be kind of collective in our getting ahead and staying ahead efforts and our employee resource network efforts. So work in progress, we're getting there, but we're not the best yet. But I am more than willing to share um, what I have with any of you at any given time. And again, uh, setting the limits reinforcing what's the crisis need versus the development support. So we funded two years of um, let's take the fine arts. We've bought tickets. We've seen the Lion King. Um, we're going to a uh, hidden rule based orchestra thing in October um, called Philhar Monster. So now we're looking at for the people that have been here for a year, how do we now develop a fund or help them develop the fund so they can become members of the Schuster Center of the Fine Arts. So it's taking it to that next level. I also like to look at it like for our um, people that are doing workforce stability. Um, transportation is a huge issue where we're from. So working in conjunction with our other uh, partners who actually do uh, car donations, we have one in particular, Ginghamsburg. How we're trying to figure out how to work with them to get people that are have graduated and are working, donated cars, and then working with them to not only maintain the donated cars through our relief program, but then to also put them in our financial coaching so we can work on power-based because the hopes are one day they're buying a better car either right out or maybe they're going into the world of car payments. And then we're talking about credit scores growing and things like that. So we don't stop cultivation. Um, no one does in any economic class. Everyone is constantly figuring out how to cultivate and be better and be sharper and build their networks. And this is essentially what we're doing for our families as well. I see that we don't use Charity Tracker or Empower. I'm going to let Jess answer that question only because I'm kind of being funny because I've been pushing it. But again, we've we've had some data issues. So I'm going to let her answer that. Um, I will answer that. And I'll, uh, right now it is uh, because several years ago, we invested in a rather expensive program called Salesforce that um, was maybe there could have been different choices made. However, they were not made uh, at the time. And we know that that Salesforce program has the capacity to track what we want it to track, but what we have to do is find a good way to get the data in there. And we have also been working with our staff to try and get them trained so that we really know how to use the program. Because again, the this program itself is only as good as the data that goes into it and you have to know how to use it. So uh, we are sticking with our plan right now of utilizing Salesforce, um, although Sonia would really wish that we would pick up another one. Uh, but again, it goes back to some of the struggles that organizations face when they decide to take a particular uh, road is because you have to choose between you know, what's our capacity to do something? Are we, you know, yeah, we could buy a new program, but is it really within our capacity to institute an entire new program and to go after new funding and things like that? So um, it's a, a step we might take one day, but right now we're not. And we've, we found we can kind of adapt and get what we need to out of the program we have. And again, you know, that's what our environment's about. Um, Coming from being a former, well, I'm a getting ahead graduate. And what I noticed as I stepped up um, in a professional realm, so many places are in crisis, just as much crisis as their clients. And so we're really big on 
being that model, again, people are coming here and they might not know what change looks like, what stability looks like. So it's really important as a bridges-based foundation to really hold to bridges. So if you notice in the beginning, we mentioned our core um, relief education and development. They all have been entrenched and transformed by bridges. Uh, she mentioned our Christmas program. Our Christmas program now you have to do community service hours and or pay $10 to be a part of it. That's from our partner family saying, we want dignity, we want respect, we wanna be a part of the, the solution. We don't just want a donation dropped off. Our kids are seeing that. So we're, you know, again, we're all about breaking entitlement and reinforcing the, the bridges constructs. Let's see. And I'll add in there with our we're, Christmas They wanna know program. how we're grant funded. Oh, uh, Okay, well, I'll, I'll answer the question really quick about the Christmas program. And uh, it is necessary uh, to take risks sometimes. And uh, when you listen to your clients, which is what we should be doing, we should be listening to those people that we're serving. Sometimes uh, you run the risk of alienating uh, some of your people that are your supporters. Um, in our case, that happened with our Christmas program several years ago. We had a couple of very dire volunteers, lovely, lovely people, but they did not like the idea of having people pay or do volunteer time to participate, even though that's what our families were telling us they wanted. Um, and what happened was they said, you know, listen, if that's how you're going to do it, we're not going to be a part of it. And we very gently said, thank you for your service that you've given to us. And we, we just did a bless and release because people have different intentions. You can't make somebody buy into a, a concept or a, a, a way of thinking. Um, but if we're following the intention of what our families need and the mission of our organization, then you're doing doing the right thing. So um, you, you run a little risk sometimes, but it's okay because we have more volunteers now than we can yeah. That's know what right. to do with. So That's right. um, uh, grant funding. And uh, first of all, we our budget is about $150,000 a year. Uh, we get about 16% of it from United Way, and uh, we've been a United Way agency for a very long time in the community. Um, this is probably the most, the highest percentage we've ever been at as an organization. Uh, we get about 16% of our funding as well from partner churches, and those are uh, 18 organizations, 18 churches in the community, all different denominations, who choose various levels of support. And I'll tell you, it's very wide range. Uh, we have one church that sends us about $8,000 a year. We have one church that sends us about $180 a year. So it's a wide range in what they uh, are able to give to us. But a lot of them also provide all those volunteers and they give us space to use at no charge and things like that. So um, gift in kind is, is huge. Um, that's a big thing for us. If you are not tracking gift in kind, do so now. It's a good way to thank your donors and it's a good way to see all of the things that you are not having to buy because people will just give them to you and it looks very good to grant funders. You need to track that. Uh, we get uh, about, and that we are very heavy in this area and we've been working on it. It's in our strategic plan to reduce this number, but we're about 40% grant funded now. Um, and that's not a super safe place to be because if a foundation chooses to uh, change their focus, they're not, uh, and we're not part of their new focus, guess what? We just lost $20,000 a year just for fun. Uh, so it's not a good place to be. Um, and a lot of times organizations, uh, foundations, they don't want to, uh, they don't want to pay for overhead. They don't pay for the lights and the electric. They want to pay for direct programming. And coming up with new programs, if they're one of those foundations that wants brand new, new, shiny best, um, it's hard to do. And you don't want to change the mission of your organization or change a program that's really working well to serve families if just to get a couple dollars. Uh, we also do a lot of fundraising. Uh, we do fundraising events. We have people who do fundraising events for us. Uh, we try to uh, weigh in uh about the value of doing a fundraiser. If it's going to take me weeks and weeks of planning and I'm going to get $2,000 out of it, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to say, yeah, that was really a nice idea, but we're not going to do it. I would rather have something that's a bigger impact that's going to raise more money. Um, and sometimes it's worth just going to a donor and saying, hey, I could use another $2,000 rather than uh, this time and effort um, spent. 
Uh, we do have a uh, fundraising development plan, and it's based on uh, three things a year. The first thing we do is a um, we so we do fundraising, which is actually bringing in the dollar, which is people are there and they attend an event because they know we are trying to raise money. There's no qualms about it. We're not trying to get to know you. We're just trying to raise money. Uh, the other one is awareness raising where we bring in some sort of speaker some sort of event it's normally much less ticket cost and is much more appealing to some of our grassroots people within the church that want to just learn more about poverty learn more about what's going on in their community uh, the third one we do is friend raising and that is an event that we throw that we don't charge anything um, for but we get new volunteers we get new friends and those new friends turn into new donors so i think it's important to have a plan um, like that uh, our sustainability plan, um, the population of Troy is about 25,000 people. We serve Troy and Castown, and they. Um, we also do education in a couple of the surrounding counties. So although our relief programs are only in Troy and Castown, our education programs are surrounding. Uh, and so we served almost 3,000 people last year. Uh, total that includes adults and children. So that would be the percentage of the 25,000 that live in the community that we serve. So I'm trying to turn stability. We, okay. Our children's curriculum, we do have a curriculum. Um, it's ever changing. So much like our, it, it changes to where, so once we set up, once the families say, these are our needs for the year and we match them, then our children, our two children, wonderful coordinators, work to kind of coincide. So when we were doing physical, for example, the kids were upstairs and depending on their age, they were doing anything from learning body parts or they were down in yoga class with us. So again, um, we try to match the curriculum. So then again, when they go home, they're not only, um, you know, having a community that's isolated in the basement of the church, but now it becomes something that they can talk about at the dinner table and hold each other accountable. So we try to have as similar as we can matching program for the children and for the kids. Uh, going to the presentation, some Danielle, you had asked about the United Way presentation you're doing. Um, one thing I would say that's very key is, for, well, first of all, we have an amazing United Way director. Um, he really gets it, right? He was the one who was the ditch digger as his <laughs> first job. Uh, but he is also, he came from the banking industry, and then he's come back full circle into nonprofit work. Um, one of the things that is, first of all, congratulations for getting a, a training at United Way. That's amazing. That yeah. does not happen in a lot of communities. Um, but really talk about stories. Talk about people who are have been impacted by the programs you're offering and how they can tie into people who will then become also community servants. Most of the people on United Way boards, most of the people um, it, that you'll be speaking to, I would guess want to know what everybody else is doing as well. And if you can get more people, um, yeah, oh my gosh, they're coming to you. That's even that's amazing. That's even better. Well, yeah. you know, the tipping point, they're all coming yeah. now because it's a tipping point. Yeah. My advice to you would be to, um, you know, be encouraging that these mm -hmm. families know what they need. They just, for several reasons, could be the lack of language, the environment, the community conditions, please, there's four areas of research for a reason. So um, don't let them sit and think that bridges and getting ahead is an end-all be-all that fixes disenfranchised mm -hmm. people in poverty, because I think that seems to be a mixed message. Um, our work only creates the bridge, not to be cl cliche, and gives people um, the language to be able to express what they're going through. So please um, don't allow them to think that the community members aren't able to become stable or don't want to become mm -hmm. stable. And one thing I think you'll find that happened at our, we had a, we have to give a presentation every year to United Way in order to secure the funding that we've asked for. Um, and it was really cool this year because I did not have to give half of the presentation because one of the people on their committee started going on and on and on about all the families that he knew that we had worked with and what a great program it was. So you get to the point where you get some really good advocates and they will advocate for you. And all of a sudden you don't have to do all the talking 
anymore. And I think that's the key is you want people talking about experiences that they've had and not always be the one that has to be, you're kind of the cheerleader in the background going, come on, good job. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Um, that type of approach and, and just really, and, and making sure your board has good stories about what you're doing. Um, making sure that when your director is um, sending out their their weekly or their monthly reports, that there is a story about a success or even something where somebody has, you know, left and now has come back because they realized that they really needed a particular uh, resource. Or you want to mm-hmm. share the stumbling blocks, and uh, but most definitely give them a story that they can tell somebody else because. It's definitely, absolutely, it's very key. And don't be afraid to use the language and vocabulary. Um, I noticed, Stephanie Fry, I think you mentioned the needs-based lifestyle versus the, p- the power-based lifestyle, straight out of getting ahead. Um, again, you know, just reinforce the language that's already there because that's the language that getting ahead grads know. And if we're training in the community bridges the way we should be, in turn, that's going to bring them together. So, I mean, we really are the bridge to both. So that's that's where that came from. You're more than welcome to use it. It's not mine. Again, um, I'm reinforcing the language that we learned out of getting ahead. Um, the other question, we're not a community action council. Uh, we're housed in Troy, Ohio, but we have strong partnerships with, with the, the agencies. Um, it's kind of funny, especially at our homeless shelter, they, um, when they get clients that they feel are um, incompliant clients, or I think they've termed kind of snake eyes clients, they tend to want to call us because they know our niche is relationships. And so we can get around the emotions or um, that them versus us. And we're able to actually navigate and get people housing more effectively at times and also um, get their grant dollars used up. So we, we collaborate. Again, collaborating is more than just saying, hey, here's your referral, go down the street. But now we're sharing funding dollars as well. And we're doing what our our talents are, relationships. And most of the agencies in our community uh, are not uh, multi-county. The Family Abuse Shelter serves more than one county. Um, A lot of the agencies that we work with are smaller. So there is a lot of collaboration. Uh, We have an organization in our community called the Miami County Continuum of Care. And it is um, a 30 plus nonprofit human services type people, everybody from the fire department uh, representatives to us, to very small organizations that provide things like milk for families uh, that all come together and meet. And what we do is try to pass the information, um, share. If this grant doesn't apply to me, I'm going to share it with you. Um, if And using, we, we talked a lot about the Bridges language and the, it's very important to use the Bridges language when you're talking to community, when you're talking to your board and get that Bridges language as a common common thing in your organization because then it won't be foreign to your volunteers it won't be foreign to your clients it won't be foreign people will get more i don't know they'll start to think of it as normal uh vocabulary that they're using and that's what we want we want that familiarity with it because they're going to be more enthusiastic about it partners and hope again we love to have people around we love to partner and collaborate i mean our tag is we exist to offer hope so (laughs) we are Definitely um, more than open to anyone coming or calling us. That's completely fine. Um, I think there was one last comment. If you want to know more about friend raisers, that seems to be the hot topic. You might want to have another webinar. And um, Sonia's right. Maybe we need to have another webinar on funding. Thanks again, folks. And uh, thanks you, uh, Sonia and Jessica. We do appreciate uh, both of you very much. Bye.